Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In this episode, we go over the topic of child abuse and neglect from the psychiatry section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A three-year-old girl is brought to the dermatology office for a purpuric rash referred by her pediatrician. She has no significant past medical history and no family history of bleeding disorders. On physical exam, she is noted to have right-sided ecchymotic patch on her right helix and ecchymosis scattered on her buttocks. The patient is shy and avoids eye contact. Suspicious, the dermatologist discusses her findings with the pediatrician and a report to Child Protective Services or CPS is filed for further investigation. This is a case of child abuse. Let's now get into the topic. Let's start with an introduction about this topic. There are many forms of child maltreatment including child neglect, child abuse, and infant deprivation. Child abuse or neglect accounts for up to 13% of deaths in children less than 15 years of age. 40% of deaths related to child abuse or neglect happen in those less than 1 years of age. Any suspected child maltreatment should be reported to CPS. Let's now talk about infant deprivation in more detail. Infant deprivation of affection if longer than 6 months can lead to permanent damage to the patient's mental and emotional development. In terms of presentation, you would notice failure to thrive and weight loss, decreased muscle tone, poor language skills, poor socialization skills, disinhibited social engagement where the infant attaches to strangers, reactive attachment disorder where the infant is unresponsive to comforting, and lack of basic trust. Complications include infant death in severe cases. Let's now discuss child neglect in more detail. Child neglect is the most common type of child maltreatment and may be difficult to diagnose. Failure to provide a child with basic needs include food, shelter, supervision, education, and affection. In terms of clinical presentation, they would present with poor hygiene, poor social skills, poor emotional development, failure to thrive, and weight loss and malnutrition. Complications include nutritional deficiencies. Let's now discuss child abuse in more detail. Child abuse is a form of child maltreatment that results in injury and can be physical or medical, also known as factitious disorder imposed on another. In terms of clinical presentation, you could have physical abuse and sexual abuse. Physical abuse can present with bruising, human bite marks, unexplained major traumas, fractures, burns, subdural hematomas, retinal hemorrhages, inconsistent history, and is typically perpetrated by the patient's female primary caregiver. There are a few points to remember about bruising. It is common in pre-mobile infants. There can be numerous bruising in a crawling child. Quote, red flag areas include the torso, ears, neck, or buttocks. Note that they can also be bruises in the shape of an object, such as belt marks. Fractures can be of the ribs or long bone spiral. You would usually notice multiple bone fractures in different stages of healing. Burns can be cigarette burns, particularly on the buttocks or thighs. Inconsistent history usually involves a premobile infant rolling out of bed, delayed medical care, and changes within the caregiver history. In terms of sexual abuse, you could have genital, anal, or oral trauma, recurrent urinary tract infections, sexually transmitted infections, 
patient simulation of intercourse or foreplay, and is typically perpetrated by a male adult known to the victim. Note that recurrent urinary tract infections can present with enuresis, but should be distinguished from primary nocturnal enuresis. In terms of diagnostic studies, you would perform a skeletal survey to assess for bone fractures. And in terms of complications, the main complication is death. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. An eight-month-old boy is brought to the emergency department by his mother and father due to decreasing activity and excessive sleepiness. The patient was born at full term in the hospital with no complications. The patient's parent appear incredibly worried as their son has had no medical issues in the past. They show you videos of the baby happily playing with his parents the day before. The patient's mother states that the patient hit his head while crawling this morning and since then has been difficult to arouse. His mother is worried because she thinks he had a fever earlier in the day and he was clutching his head and neck in pain. Physical examination shows a barely arousable boy with a large, full anterior fontanelle. The boy grimaces on palpation of his chest and a radiograph show posterior rib fractures. Retinal examination shows bilateral retinal hemorrhages. Which of the following is the most likely cause for this patient's presentation? 1. Child abuse. 2. Unintentional head injury. 3. Vitamin K deficiency. 4. Osteogenesis imperfecta. Or 5. Bacterial meningitis. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 1, child abuse. The patient in this question likely suffers from child abuse. Physical abuse can be suspected based on a number of this patient's findings including retinal hemorrhages, intracranial hemorrhage, and posterior rib fractures. Note that shaken baby syndrome or abusive head trauma is caused by either vigorous shaking of a baby or intentionally inflicting blunt head trauma. The shaking in infants causes tearing of the bridging veins resulting in subdural hemorrhage which presents as a full fontanelle and lethargy due to raised intracranial pressure. Retinal hemorrhages are caused by rupture of the retinal veins during shaking. Other signs of child abuse include posterior rib fractures from grasping too hard at the baby's torso, burns, and multiple fractures in various stages of healing on radiographs. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 2, unintentional head injury as described by the parents would not cause posterior rib fractures and retinal hemorrhages. Answer choice 3, vitamin K deficiency can cause intracranial bleeds but is typically not seen in uncomplicated hospital births. Also, vitamin K deficiency would not cause posterior rib fractures. Answer choice 4, osteogenesis imperfecta can cause multiple fractures but would not cause subdural or retinal hemorrhages. And finally, answer choice 5, meningitis can cause lethargy and would be a concern given the mother's reported history of fever and neck pain, but would not cause rib fractures or retinal hemorrhages. In summary, physical abuse should be suspected if a child presents with retinal hemorrhages, retinal detachment, subdural hemorrhages, burns, or bruises. Next question, you are asked to examine a one-year-old child brought to the emergency department by his sister. The sister reports that the child has been acting strangely since that morning after, quote, getting in trouble for crying. The child appears lethargic and confused and is noted to have a cigarette burn on his forearm. 
Emergency head CT reveals a subdural hematoma. Which of the following additional findings is most likely? 1. Posterior rib fracture. 2. Bilateral retinal hemorrhages. 3. Skull fracture. 4. Burns to buttocks. Or 5. Epidural hematoma. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 2, bilateral retinal hemorrhages. Evidence of subdural hematoma in suspected child abuse is concerning for shaken baby syndrome, which often presents with bilateral retinal hemorrhages on fundoscopy. Remember, shaken baby syndrome results from the forceful shaking of an infant, often occurring when an angry caregiver attempts to punish or quiet a child. When an infant or toddler is shaken, the brain bounces back and forth against the skull, resulting in cerebral contusion, swelling, and possible tearing of the bridging veins, resulting in subdural hematoma. This can cause permanent brain damage or death. Retinal hemorrhages occur due to rupture of retinal veins. Let's now review two citations related to this topic. In the first citation, McDonald reviews that, quote, child abuse is a common diagnosis in the United States and should be considered any time neglect or emotional, physical, or sexual abuse is a possibility. Any suspicion of abuse must be reported to Child Protective Services. In the second citation, Bechtel et al. discussed the characteristics that distinguish accidental from abusive injury in hospitalized young children with head trauma. Quote, retinal hemorrhage was more common in abusive than accidental head injury. In a prospective study of 87 children less than two years old hospitalized with head injury, children with abusive head injury were more likely to have retinal hemorrhages. The difference was 60% versus 10%. Children with abusive head injury were also more likely to have bilateral retinal hemorrhages, and the difference here was 40% versus 1.5%. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choices 1 and 4 are incorrect because posterior rib fractures and burns to the buttocks in an infant are concerning for child abuse but are not associated with subdural hematomas. And answer choices 3 and 5 are incorrect because skull fractures can result in injury to the middle meningeal artery and lead to an epidural hematoma. A fracture of the skull generally requires direct impact with a blunt object. These are uncommon findings in shaken baby syndrome. And that's all for this review about child abuse and neglect. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from these MedBullets Step 1 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a 5-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you are not already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.